All right, welcome back to another awesome, exciting, it's awesome and exciting to me, Absolutely. so I'm just gonna keep saying it, episode of Finding <laughs> Peaks. Um, I've come in my shortest of shorts today because um, the viewers were calling on a little bit more skin. Yeah. Jokes aside, uh, it's warm out today here in Colorado Springs, so I'm enjoying the warmth and letting my, and opening up my legs to the sun here wow. so I can get a little color, so. We all win when that yeah. happens, absolutely. So yeah. hopefully the viewers are winning equally in this regard uh, <laughs> today. So uh, I'm joined, again, I'm Brandon Burns, Chief Executive Officer for Peaks Recovery Centers, joined by my friend, colleague, Clinton Nicholson, uh, LPCLAC therapist. Awesome. Awesome, there you go. We finally, after 20 or so episodes, however far are we in, we have a guest today, and as promised, the great Alan Cook, LPC LAC, is joining us today. Um, he's been just a tremendous asset, not only to our programming, our, our currently our family programming, um, but has also helped us um, out of the depths of um, some really difficult times uh, at the tail end of COVID, at least in the 2020 side of the COVID experience. Um, so a little bit more about yourself, please, Alan. What more can I say? <laughs> I um... I'm the chair of the Addiction Counselor Examiner Board at DORA, infamous as that might be. Absolutely. I also have the dubious distinction of helping develop the competencies and all the classes that torture addiction counselors to become addiction counselors, so. Well, which is where we met, right? In one yeah. of those torturous classes. Yeah, one Former of those. Former instructor, extraordinaire, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, wonderful. I've always greatly enjoyed my time, discussions, and energy with, um, with you, uh, Alan. Uh, you've provided a lot to me, a lot of great insights for how this industry works, how addiction works, mental health, and so forth. And so uh, today, I just wanted to kind of go back through the reel and introduce your narrative around trauma and shame. And as we were kind of talking about pre-episode uh, here, um, there is this common notion, it feels like from my experience, where individuals leave treatment and recovery falls short on the other side, maybe it's relapse, um, something comes up in that regard, and they say, you know what, had that prior center just worked on my trauma, I probably would have been more successful. And for me, there's this cause and effect tone that they're sharing with us that trauma sort of, or the absence of work on trauma is causing the relapse. And I'm just curious about what your thoughts are when folks say that, and if there is any relationship for you as far as cause and effect goes. Okay, well, I think that there is a cause and effect between shame and trauma first. Uh, and in my experience, I think there is not shame without trauma. I think trauma underlies most shame, and in fact anchors it, that, um, that people's response to being traumatized is almost always that they feel this sense of something went wrong with themselves or something's wrong with them or it couldn't have happened to them. So I think that, that there definitely is a cause and effect. I think speaking more pointedly about folks leaving treatment, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about the PEAKS experience a little bit because we're a 45-day program and we tend to have a basic premise that we will identify trauma, but that 45 days is not a particularly good amount of time to unpack it and resolve it. 
And so as I've been at Peaks for the last four and a half years, I really have thought a lot about how, well, how, what can we do? What can we do in that period of time? And I find honestly that at least the, the clients that have come through Peaks, and, and I suspect they're representational, but I don't know for sure. But they have an easier time talking about their shame than they do about their trauma. That trauma has a great deal more stigma attached to it. And that there's a belief that it goes deep and it takes forever to resolve and that it's earth shaking. But shame doesn't seem to hold all that stigma. So my sense is that in, a, in our program, we do deal with trauma by talking about shame that it's simply changing the word and changing the language. And what's interesting about that is that it really affects how clinicians think about it as well. That a clinician, I hear clinicians all the time when I do supervision, oh, well, we, we don't want to touch on trauma. And then I'll talk about shame and say, yeah, yeah, we can, we can unpack that, no, no problem. Mm -hmm. and, and I just have a sense that since they, they are almost one in the same and at least building blocks of each other, that it is easiest to simply talk about face and resolve and integrate shame. Takes the same counselor presence, unconditional positive regard, whichever we're doing, and clearly it is, at least in our minds, easier to approach. So why not? Yeah. No, I, in my experience, I think that checks out as well. So. Because trauma does have this um, sort of, uh, it feels really rooted and really grounded in like persona to a certain degree, whereas shame feels a bit more fleeting, a bit more, or I guess maybe just easier to detach from. So um, while, like you, like you said, they're, they're closely related, there is, a, there is a very nuanced difference between the two of them. And so I'm wondering in your experience and, and for the viewers, if you could speak to what the approach in treatment looks like, how, how that might be different than if you're taking a, going a straight head-on trauma, we're gonna, we're gonna tackle the deep-rooted stuff versus, you know what, we recognize that trauma exists and that shame is closely related to trauma, but we're going to approach and, and, and really work on the, the shame instead. So what is, a, from a clinical perspective, what does that look like? How might you explain that or share that with families? So I think, I'll talk about shame. I think clinically, shame is approached first by acceptance on the part of the clinician to hear whatever the client has to say, and not to, to judge it or to question it, but to explore it and be curious about what it means. That, that, that in itself gives the client a chance to um, openly unpack it, openly sure. talk about it. And, so that's a little different than shame because we don't clinically typically have a person jump right into their traumatic experience. Right. So that demarks a fairly big difference between the approaches of the two, mm -hmm. that we do have somebody talk about their shame, which is interesting to me because often people will talk about their trauma while they're talking about their shame, right. in my experience, but they won't have the same emphasis on the shame because they're not focused on that. Right. They're focused on um, you know, what they were thinking and feeling during that experience, not so much about what happened to them. Right. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it, um, 
when you're going into the sort of what happens space, it requires a lot more containment. Right? There's a lot mm -hmm. more preparation that has to go into that. And actually, how, to emotionally, how do I emotionally hold these memories while I'm going through them versus the shame gives you something adjacent to that that you can sort of uh, yeah. hold that space a little bit more clearly within a little bit, I don't know, loose, more loosely, right? Like it provides mm -hmm. more room to breathe when you're addressing the shame. Yeah. And added to that, that when we're talking about shame, at least the, the way I approach it is to always start, start with how, shame, how we're living shame now, right. what we believe today. Trauma is always anchored in the past. Mm -hmm. And so clients think I have to you know, unearth my entire history in order to work on trauma. Not so much with shame. Yeah. And the truth is that we resolve trauma in the present too. Absolutely. But clients don't believe they do. Right. But we know we, we address shame in the present. Absolutely. So it just makes it so much easier, if there's an easy, about either of these topics. Yeah. just makes it so much easier to clinically approach Absolutely. Yeah. The shame. So the, and I think that's powerful um, in thinking about how we can do something um, that's not such a deep dive in regards to the shame uh, experiences, but when it comes to trauma, where do you see it beneficial to just get right into it and unearth it in a way? Or, is, or when is that valuable? I guess in the sense of things, right? You know, I'm so, I, I'm not gonna be able to give you a clear answer because I almost always approach trauma through shame now mm -hmm. because it just seems so logical to me. Mm -hmm. So it's really rare that I, unless a client walks in and they unpack that story in front of me, I will tend to start what the, you know, the emotional things that, that they believe impacted them about it, right. which is their shame. I tend to approach most trauma through shame now. Absolutely. Because I mean, even, it just seems powerful. Yeah. And even when a client does come in and just starts to, just shares all of their trauma with you, I think it's still important to bring it back to the moment and say, all right, what was that? What led you to want to share that with me? You know, yeah. it's like rather than continuing to go into that story, bringing it back into the moment, because that was a shame response, right? Like, mm -hmm. So being able to help them identify that just by wanting to dive deep into it, there is a shame attached to that. Indeed. And so bringing it back into the present moment. So it's music's my ears. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so how did... Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, and I'm sure the viewers are curious as well, too, but we hear this language from, you know, clients about, you know, trauma and needing to unpack it and, and all of that. Where, where do we think, like, this narrative came from, the intensity about if we just unpack all this trauma? You know, you, uh, I think before the episode you talked about since, what, the beginning of Dinosaurs, that yeah. whatever your phrase was <laughs> there for how long you've been in this industry, you've yeah. been able to see in a really historical context, how this industry has really unfolded in front of you. And so how did we get into this position where we've just got this hyper-focused sort of feels like clinical culture around like we need to do this deep dive on trauma and we need to make that the thing? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out a little bit because I think that since we named everything as needing to be in our field trauma-informed, mm -hmm. The clients have latched onto that. Oh, well, trauma must be the thing that's going to heal me. And I think it's probably not true right. that trauma isn't the thing that if I somehow unpack it, it's, it's like this cancer inside me. If I get it excised, I'll suddenly be healed. But I think we perpetuate that because everything is trauma-informed, which I think is brilliant. Right. But we could easily make it shame-informed. I mean, we chose trauma because that 
in, at least in my memory, that's the next shiny thing in Absolutely. the field. Yeah. So we, we latched onto the word trauma. We've written tons of books about it. We, we now have all this information about it. And since I write core competencies, I have to make sure everything's trauma-informed. So we have competencies for it. And it's important. Well, so with that said, <laughs> how do you, a, a client who comes in expecting to have a pretty significant like, experience, like, really working on their trauma and all of the sudden you bring this conversation or this sort of new language around shame, how do you help them to correlate or connect um, the shame to substance use, like to kind of bring it back? Like what, how do you, because I think people can, there again, there's this narrative like I have trauma, which is why I use drugs, right? Uh -huh. Or which is why I drink. And, but shame, it's a little bit different, right? It doesn't, that, it doesn't, that connection may not be as as a, a parent, or, uh -huh. um, and maybe that's a good thing, because the actual direct, like, I have trauma, which is why I use yeah. drugs, is probably not actually a thing. But, uh, so I'm curious, how do you introduce so I, that it's really, it's really pr not rocket science for me. Okay. And it starts with saying, well, how do you know that, that something's going on for you? You know, how do you know something's going awry for you? And the client will describe that, and I'll say, well, what, what is, a th what is your thinking and feeling pattern that leads to that? And we'll talk about that for a while, talk about the shame of that. And then it's a really simple question after that. Where'd you learn that? Mm. And that touches on their trauma, but from a third person point of view. Mm -hmm. Where'd you learn that? They're thinking about what they learned, not their trauma. Right. So I'm not unearthing their trauma, but it's at their trauma they learned it. And I don't care about the trauma at that point. I care what they took away from the trauma. I care what they believed about themselves as a result of the trauma. And that's what's creating their shame and their current thinking. Right. And then that lesson is essentially being manifesting through behavior. Right. right? And so in one of those behaviors could be substance use. Right. And right. then after all of that is unpacked, I'll say, that's a really powerful experience of learning something important from your trauma. And then I'll use the word trauma right. after they're all done. Brilliant. Let's just put it in a bottle and sell it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, always appreciating your, your poignant and thought through answers. And I'm always sort of captivated being in front of you sincerely about just your ability to quickly get to the situation and identify, you know, examples, you know, for which you're walking through. And so, you know, what is one thing that we can leave, you know, families in that regard of? So when, because the families are hearing that same sort of experience, my trauma was not worked on, I relapsed as a result of that, now what? Now, what can we share about families about maybe how to, um, What, what can we share with families differently about trauma than we would share as an individual session with a client in that regard to better inform them about how to appreciate you know, what's happening, if that makes sense? It might not. Some, <laughs> it kind of you does. Have, I, you I, always have a way of taking I'll my make words. A stab, I'll make wonderful. a stab at it, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say to folks that it is not the trauma that has caused them the problem. It is what they took away about themselves, what they believed about themselves, what they believe they lost, or what they believe they disempowered about themselves, or what they had to protect themselves from that's important to release and relearn. 
because most of the time our traumas happen sometime in history. That's the nature of trauma, it's in the past. And we forget that no matter when our trauma happened, we were different then. But we've anchored that trauma in that experience, especially childhood trauma. We were children, we were helpless, we didn't have a lot of skills. So we believe about that trauma that it's true today, even though our skills have changed. So if I approach that from shame, because when somebody grows up, what they bring about that trauma is their shame. Well, why couldn't I take care of myself? Why couldn't I stop that? I must be a bad person. If I can release the shame today, then I can remind them that they have different skills today than they had then and link it differently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm captivated too. So. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, the, one, the other thing I say to clients all the time is that guilt, shame, trauma are simply lessons encapsulated in judgment. If right. we can release the judgment then we can simply learn the insight or the understanding or the, the preference Absolutely. that is available to us. And then we can start to rewrite the narrative, right? Yeah. Because we start trauma, we start telling a story about ourselves, you know? And I think once you can, when you look at shame in a way that it's a, it's a sort of narrative, it's a, it's a persona that you've created, and, but that actually doesn't fit anymore. You know, the story no longer matches the skills. And once you can kind of see, you see that disparity or that dis, uh, discrepancy there, you can really lean into it and start to actually mm -hmm. build a new narrative, start to tell a different story that isn't based on the, the, the lessons learned in trauma, but are actually grounded in the, in the skills of the present and the person that actually is in front of you. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's powerful stuff. And so it's just slightly nagging me a little bit <laughs> to when is the appropriate time then for like an EMDR or right. this somatic experience sort of intervention I mean both of you are welcome to field the question but you know I, I really just want to contrast because you know working the admissions line for you know here at peaks for the past three and a half weeks or so you know you just get these questions like Johnny needs to work on his trauma so what are you guys going to do about this trauma they're quick to engage with what they know about these clinical interventions, which is EMDR and somatic experience and these sort of things. So, you know, again, you know, when can we really tie in the appropriateness of those in your clinical experiences? Like, where does that seemingly work best, if, if at all? And I think it's okay to poke the bear to say maybe it should be limited in, because it feels powerful to really approach this shame story in this way, leave trauma in the past and let's talk about these experiences, this judgment you're experiencing with these new skill sets you have that are no longer matching? Um, I mean, I can, I'll take a stab at it. Sorry. Go for I it. Hit my mic. Um, I think that it, at least at the model, let's, let's take a 45-day model like Peaks. Uh, that is about stabilization, not necessarily about the deep dive into trauma. I think that at that point in time, the, the reality is that a, there are oftentimes skills that still need to be learned, right? And in order to be able to sort of contain and manage, and manage the experience of processing trauma, it, it's not easy, you know? And it takes, uh, you need to be in a pretty clear and stable physical and mental state in order to be able to appropriately and safely and effectively address trauma. So I would, my recommendation clinically would be after 45 days of treatment, you start, to ex you start to explore that with a therapist on the outside. 
You know, that, to me, that feels like aftercare, or at least like a, a long-term care plan, because it's gonna take a while, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's gonna be intense, and it's, but before you, and before you go there, though, you have to, you need to be stable. You have to learn how to regulate. You need to learn skills so that once you start down that path, you don't relapse, right? Or you don't fall backwards into old patterns. And I would say it's both and. I think that what the curriculum at Peaks is brilliant at opening the doorway for stillness, for mindfulness, for turning off the midbrain, right. the experiencer self, beginning to get access to the observer self, exactly what EMDR does. Right. It moves us out of that experiencer into a, our observer and distracts us essentially so that we can connect dots in ways we haven't connect them. Absolutely. And we do yoga and we do meditation and we do exercise, opening the door for realizing that the body holds experiences as well. And all of those are important and peaks absolutely right. sets the stage for all of that. Absolutely. And in essence, we're working on trauma. Yeah. We've, we actually we have, we, From the day we start, trauma. we are yeah. working on yeah. what gets in the way. Absolutely. Beautiful. <laughs> it's good to learn what's going on within the program. Absolutely. <laughs> Sitting here down with you guys. Share. And, um, you know, again, Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Certainly would love to continue future episodes with you and bringing more of that, that knowledge um, that you bring. And always a pleasure. Always a you, pleasure. Clint, thank as you well, too. For all the viewers on the other side, thanks for joining us today. We hope that this was informative and impactful to you. Um, we only know what we know in regards to what can be impactful for you, so please email us, findingpeaks at peaksrecovery.com. Bring your thoughts and ideas and questions forward so that we can bring that into these episodes. Uh, find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the podcasts, the Twitters, all of that sort of stuff to learn more about these episodes and what we're doing um, within the space of addiction treatment and mental health. And thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>